All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode 73 of the Move the Stairs podcast. We are recording on Friday, December 9th, 2022, and we're so happy you're joining us for this really exciting conversation. It is going to be exciting. Today, we have the honor of talking to Matt Zayner, the senior analyst for the CBD space from the Brightfield Group. And he's going to talk about trends he sees in 2023. And we know that building customer loyalty, you know, has always been one of the major challenges for CBD, hemp, and medical marijuana businesses and the owners. And, and we want to talk to owners about how that's going to change in the coming year. Yeah. What does he see, for example, as the top stores that we should all prepare for in our insider media relations segment coming up? And then finally, what challenges and opportunities are going to be coming up the next six months or so, so that you can work on building a resilient CBD brand. So uh, without further ado, let's get this podcast interview started and we will welcome Matt to our studio. Thank you so much for joining us in the Move Stairs podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and specifically how you became senior analyst uh, for the CBD space for the Brightfield Group. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm Matt Zaner. I'm a senior analyst on our insights team at Brightfield Group. I work on a variety of products, CBD, cannabis, international CBD, international cannabis. Um, I just kind of fell into the role, to be honest. I was looking for jobs in the research space, and I thought that this one looked really interesting. I've been keeping an eye on the cannabis space since uh, the green rush back of a handful of years back when a lot of the cannabis stocks really started to take off. Um, I applied, and now three plus years later, we are here. <laughs> Where um, I've been looking at these market for quite a few years now, and really enjoying trying to figure out the space. Yeah, what a, what a wild three years it's been. I no doubt for you. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> you're dealing a lot in research. You're looking for those trends there at the Brightfield Group, and we know that one of the biggest challenges for any CBD company has been trying to build that customer loyalty at a time when you know there's a lot to choose from out there. A lot of companies, a lot of products. So to help our listeners get a bit of an edge here, what kind of trends do you see coming about in 2023? Yeah, so I'm happy to talk about some trends that are starting this year that I think are going to be relevant and continue into next year. Um, one of them is CBD usage. So among our cannabis and CBD products, we also have something called Evergy, which is more of a general population wellness oriented survey. So that kind of gives us a good idea of what the CBD incidence rate is. And through the first three quarters of 2022, we've seen that it's been largely steady at about 14% in our survey. So in terms of consumer base, the market isn't growing that much. We can kind of speculate as to why it could have to do with some inflationary concerns of customers. Um, that goes hand in hand with another question we ask, which is kind of how open to new products are you? And consumer experimentation has definitely gone down in our survey. So in that way, it's a little bit of a difficult environment if people are trying to pick up new consumers. Though we will see if that starts to steady a little bit as inflation um, starts to steady as well. Um, in a similar note, the amount of people who use CBD heavily has moved down slightly. So there is a, a few more occasional users in the space, people who might use it a few times a week a few times a month, but aren't going to be your daily, multiple times daily users. So that's something to keep an eye on if you're looking for products that might appeal to this group of people. Um, another thing to note is that we break our CBD consumers into three general personas in our survey. So we have the life lifters um, who use CBD primarily as a life enhancer, you know, for fun, celebration, creativity, improving appearance, athletic performance. The pain pausers, um, who most commonly use CBD for things like joint pain or arthritis or other chronic pains. 
and the mind menders who use CBD for specific conditions like anxiety, depression, PTSD. And one thing that's worth noting is pain pausers of that group are the biggest, but mind menders are the quickest growing. So it does seem like that there is a little bit of a shift in the consumer here where there is more of a focus on mood altering products rather than pain relief products, even though pain relief is still really high up there in the list. So it's worth keeping an eye on how that is going to shift as well. And I would say the last big thing I'm keeping an eye on in a trend that is definitely going to be relevant is overlap with the Delta 8 market. Um, I know this is something that some CBD companies don't really love to talk about because CBD has spent a lot of time trying to create um, a space for itself as a wellness, more supplement oriented product and try to distance itself from some of these cannabis and psychoactive associations. But the reality is in our Evergy survey, 35% um, of CBD consumers had reported purchasing Delta 8 or a similar psychoactive hemp derived cannabinoid products. Hmm. And 30% had also reported purchasing THC heavy cannabis. So there's clearly a group of people who are viewing the CBD Delta A market as just a wider cannabinoid market. Um, mm -hmm. And this is something that CBD companies are probably going to have to deal with unless there is some regulatory change that makes it harder for these companies to operate. So those are some of the big trends I see coming about. It is interesting because I know at the state level, there's a lot of discussion about Delta mm -hmm. 8 and should it be regulated differently. So fascinating. I also, you know, you talked about the fact that the, the market is maybe dipping just a bit. It's certainly not growing a whole lot right now. So that, um, that customer loyalty becomes so very important. What two or three things from your research have you found that, um, that you would suggest that businesses do to encourage repeat customers uh, in the CBD space? Yeah, absolutely. So in our surveys, we survey customers on what the most important product attributes are. And I think that these are some good things that can kind of guide brands in terms of uh, creating products and positioning themselves in a way that appeals to consumers. So the top one overall is desired effects. Does the product do what the consumer wants it to do? Um, one of the main innovations we've seen recently to fit this is kind of these need state products where they're incorporating a lot of functional ingredients like, hey, this is a sleep product and it also has melatonin. Helps to educate the consumer a little bit on what CBD can help with and also helps to boost the efficacy potentially by putting in another well-known supplement for that purpose. Second is price. Consumers always want to feel like they're getting good value for money hand in hand with desired effects. I think people are willing to pay a little more if they notice that it works better, um, but they need to feel like they're getting a good value there. And the third is a product. We've definitely seen some shifts in what uh, consumers are gravitating towards in terms of products. The big story here is absolutely gummies. It was always a popular category, but it really started to take off in late 2021 and has continued to grow in 2022, becoming the second most popular product category overall. Um, tinctures are only higher because they typically cost more, but gummies have a greater usage overall in our survey data. Um, our survey data also indicates that, you know, demand for vapes is going up as is drinks and other edibles. Well, some of the more established categories like topicals and capsules are more or less flat. It's just important to really meet consumers where they are yeah. and fit neatly into their preferences. You're not going against the current there. Absolutely. Matt, I'm really curious. We've had a number of years of data to accumulate now and kind of sift through and, and see what works and what doesn't work. Have you seen 
um, or can you provide any examples of companies, and you certainly don't have to name them, um, but have used your data to employ a um, customer loyalty tactic that you're willing to share? And have you seen that trend kind of shift since you know CBD first came on the scene to where we are now in 2022? Yeah, so we have quite a few companies that use our brand health metric specifically to get an idea um, of how they're doing. And I'm happy to talk about a couple of them here. I think one that I'll note is Martha Stewart CBD by Canopy Growth. Um, Canopy Growth in general, according to some of their financials, has been scaling back its US CBD operations a little bit. Um, they've definitely called some of their brands, but Martha Stewart really stands out as a brand that is doing particularly well. It has high satisfaction metrics across the board performs especially well in kind of the taste slash smell department, mm -hmm. um, which has really been a focus of the branding, especially when they first yeah. launched gummies, has a very high level of effectiveness, according to consumers, and has brand attributes that include being high quality, calming, and authentic. Um, so that's one that definitely stands out for me. Uh, I'll, I'll name one more as well. Another one uh, is your CBD store slash SunMed which we see as one of the biggest companies in the space, not quite as high on satisfaction metrics as um, Martha Stewart, but it has some really notable brand attributes, which st stuck out to me. It has a strong appeal to medical users. The, the attribute helps with my condition is a top one where it's not for the others. So clearly there's a lot of people who live close to one of these retail stores and are going there to purchase products to help with chronic pain or some other condition. Um, and it's easily available. So it would make sense that there's a lot of folks out there who are wanting to do that. It's seen as helpful and reliable as well. Um, talking a little bit more at the macro level, looking at our brand health data holistically, uh, consumers have overall gotten a bit less loyal in 2022 compared to 2021. Interesting. Um, yeah. And in our- Frustrating, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and in our survey, only about half of consumers say that brands are important to them. So there's a lot of people out here who are, who are just really looking for a product that has a lot of CPUers available at a good price and aren't paying as much attention to the branding as I'm sure companies operating in this space would want. There's a lot of consumers who are fickle and are just experimenting rather than sticking to one brand at this point. Um, it might have to do with how brands are fitting consumer preferences like we've been talking about and how their products are positioned. Um, for example, we've seen the number of CBD consumers looking for relaxation-oriented products really grow over the last two years. So companies leaning into this might be more fit to capture some loyalty. So just making sure you're aligning with how consumers um, are looking for products on the shelf is definitely going to be important to growing loyalty. I want to ask real quick, too, if I can jump in here. I think that while it's frustrating that we're not seeing that brand loyalty, it also means if you turn that on its head that many companies have that opportunity to become that breakout company in the space. So I think there's, it's a, there's, there is definitely a challenge there, but there's a phenomenal opportunity as well. Oh yeah. If you can fit really neatly into consumer preferences, then I think there's no reason that they wouldn't become loyal. It's clearly just, there's been something about how brands have been positioning themselves but, in the space that hasn't captured all of their attention. And Matt, didn't you say that um, Medterra is doing really well with the five brand and, and that yeah. has to do with the desirability outcome. Is that right? Yeah, that's definitely right. Medterra's five is an interesting one. Um, 
it's positioned in the space where it, it does have Delta nine. The name five comes from the fact that there's a five to one ratio ah. um, of CBD to THC. So their gummies typically contain something like 25 milligrams of CBD per to five milligrams of THC per gummy. Um, but yeah, that's a good example of a brand that performs really well in terms of relaxation. So there's a lot of people looking for relaxation and that's a right. top brand attribute of five. Um, people also see it as being high quality and are satisfied with that level of effectiveness, perhaps because of the Delta 9. In some of their cases, they may be seeking out that kind of product, um, but it does have a very uh, high rate of repurchasing among customers. Yeah. An example of uh, of someone focusing on what the customer wants. The customers can be fickle, as you mentioned, but it's important to keep them in mind, yep. of course, with your brand. So, you know, Matt, we're all former journalists here at MNC Communications, and that is by design because we, we try to use that experience to help prepare our clients so they can take advantage of all those media opportunities that come their way by positioning themselves as someone, as the go-to person or brand, the industry leader, the experts who can provide some great interviews when a subject arises. So we call that insider media relations. You're always prepared to uh, talk about whatever's hot at the moment. So given that and all your research, what stories do you think will emerge come 2023? Yeah, I think one of them is that we're definitely gonna see a little more interest in the CBD market. Um, I think in my, my hypothesis is that a lot of the slowdown in purchasing because it's not unique to CBD and is consistent among some of the other wellness products has to do with inflationary concerns. Right. So I do think as some of the economic conditions start to improve a bit for people, there are going to be more people interested in either checking out the CBD space for the first time, returning if they left or purchasing more if they scaled back. Um, that said, some companies may need to sh fight for shelf space because during this time, if CBD units weren't moving on store shelves, they may have lost um, some of those retail accounts. So they might need to fight in order to gain those back um, to improved visibility, because I think in some places it might be harder to find CBD than it was before. Mm -hmm. uh, I think another thing we're going to continue to see is the shift towards ingestible products. Um, drinks, gummies, these are set to go up quite a bit pending some sort of action by the FDA, who did send out some concerning warning letters about ingestible products recently, though it seems unlikely that they'll act on that based on their current track record of regulating CBD. Um, so I would definitely keep an eye on ingestibles. I would also keep an eye on uh, hemp-derived Delta 9. That's only something that seems to be growing. It's kind of a borderline case of whether it's in the CBD space. It is hemp derived and typically contains more CBD than THC, but also might appeal to a different consumer than typical CBD products. But I would definitely um, keep an eye on that because that is set to grow significantly. Another thing that I would say to watch out for, as we kind of talked about before, is this overlap between CBD and other markets. So there is this group of people who are purchasing cannabis, purchasing Delta 8, and seeing these things all in the same, I would expect that to keep growing. It has gone up throughout 2022. Um, that's just a perception that I think people operating in the space are going to need to be aware is out there, um, even if it's not their target consumer. And I would say that at the kind of macro level, a lot of the trends in 2023 and the stories that will develop really do depend on federal regulation, which is probably going to be a result of the 2023 Farm Bill. Mm 
So in the absence of that regulation, you know, businesses are going to likely have a much harder time next year if they haven't adapted to some of these industry shifts or consumer preferences we've been talking about. Um, there is some stores that have scaled back their CBD. Some of the stores that are going up in CBD purchasing, like convenience or smoke and vape, aren't the focus of some large companies in the space. E-commerce uh, marketing has gotten expensive. So it's likely that it's going to be a more difficult year if there's not regulation. Whereas if regulation is even announced, I would expect um, a lot of companies to attract investment in the space, CPG firms to be looking at acquisitions or um, significant investment into large players, um, a greater focus on ingestible products as those would likely be permitted at mainstream retail. So a lot of these macro trends are going to be dependent on the state of regulation in my opinion. Well, you have a mountain of data to sift through, so I can only imagine um, you could probably take up a good chunk of the podcast answering the next question, but what are going to be some of the uh, must-read reports that Brightfield Group is going to release next year, specifically concerning CBD? Yeah, so we publish reports on a variety of markets, cannabis, CBD, wellness, hemp, Delta 8. Um, but in terms of what I'm really going to be keeping an eye on for CBD, I would anticipate uh, looking at the top companies. We typically publish a top 20 companies operating in the space based on uh, retail sales on a quarterly basis. So that's something to keep an eye on, look for shifts there. There, there, are a, uh, there is constant movement in that list in terms of people going up and down and new entrants coming in towards uh, the bottom or middle of the list. I think also updates on the face of CBD. We've been talking a little bit about consumer demographics and how those are shifting. And that's also something we constantly have our eye on. Um, and it's definitely gonna be relevant for companies who are seeking to appeal to the CBD consumer. Lots of content around the 2020, 2023 Farm Bill and the FDA is we continue to get information on how that will shape up and how regulation is likely to affect the industry when it might come into effect and keeping an eye on the overlap between CBD and other markets, Delta 8 cannabis. I definitely want to dive further into that because I think I'm personally very interested in exploring who that consumer is since there seem to be quite a few of them out there. Oh, and there's going to be a lot of research that's going to be dropped. I think there's going to be um, quite a few medical papers that are going to be dropped with a lot of the medical research that's going on too. So that's going to be fascinating to see how that changes everything. You know, I'm interested, Matt, what do you think is the one thing that journalists are going to want to know about CBD next year? Yeah, I think the one thing really in anticipation of the 2023 Farm Bill is what impact that will have on the market. Yep. Um, so this is something that we tried to take into account this year. We've historically been pretty bullish on federal regulation, hoping that it would happen in the near future. And it feels like we've just been pushing back our yeah. anticipated implementation of forecasts on a year by year basis. Um, so this year, when we were doing our market sizing, we kind of took a two pronged approach where we had one version, which assumes FDA regulation or federal regulation via Congress, effective 2024, and one which doesn't. So you can kind of get an idea of what the market trajectory is in each case. Um, and I think that it's really striking how much of a difference it can make with FDA regulation in that scenario or federal regulation in general, we anticipate CBD to be worth more than $10 billion annually by 2027, yeah. which is more than double um, what it would be if not federally regulated. 
So it would have a really drastic impact. And I think that's important for people covering the space to really understand um, this is why so many companies are focused on having this happen and why this is something that has been so hard fought for by industry groups like the U.S. Hemp Industry Roundtable. Yep. Um, so that, that would be the key thing, I think. Yeah, wise to keep, keep watch on that situation. Uh, let's take a moment to look ahead to the next episode of our Move the Stairs uh, podcast, and we're going to chat with the president of Veritas Fine Cannabis. His name is John Spatafora, uh, and John has an interesting background, a marketing background, not always in the cannabis space. So he's going to have some great insight in our next podcast about branding and curating customers. All right. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, now we're going to move on to the final part of uh, Move the Stairs, episode 73, uh, where we talk about CBD business owners and brand resilience because they're constantly on the lookout for ways to strengthen their business, whether threats, whether they're expected or unexpected, and also um, challenges that may impact their reputation. So one of the things we pride ourselves on is helping clients find that opportunity in every challenge. Diane alluded to it earlier when you were talking about um, customer loyalty and turning that on its head to take advantage of that challenge. Uh, but it's really important when you're working on building a resilient CBD brand. So um, that leads me to my first question in this topic, Matt. You know, in your research, do you see any topics or situations emerging that could be flying under the radar? I'm thinking of things that um, maybe CBD business owners should be talking about internally. Um, or externally, or maybe just things that they should know more about heading into the new year? I think one of the most interesting things that I've noticed in our consumer surveys is really how much of a return to retail there has been this year mm -hmm. after COVID. Um, while e-com is great for margins and is really commonly used by a lot of heavier users, uh, a lot of people are back to purchasing in stores at this point. Um, and a lot of companies operating this space have really focused on mass retail, right? Your your grocery stores, especially. But the channels that we're seeing that have really grown and ranked near the top are still smoke and vape and CBD specialty retailers, um, which typically are of a little less interest to people who are kind of awaiting federal regulation, but this is in the near term where a lot of the, the purchasing is happening. Uh, we've also seen an uptick at natural food and vitamin stores as well. As, as well as convenience stores, some of which may also have to do with some of the state level regulation. Um, I do know that some channels like Sprouts, for instance, have opened in California um, and that has become a sizable account for a lot of people. So more state level regulation would also boost some of these more mainstream oriented channels. Um, these kind of mass retailers are definitely a good long-term play, but especially because they have this hesitancy towards ingestibles, I think it's important to keep an eye um, on some of these other retail channels and where consumers are purchasing now um, to keep and keep that short-term potential in mind while also pursuing those longer-term mass retail partnerships. I think another thing that could definitely fly under the radar is what occasions people are using CBD for. Um, so I, the most common by a sizable margin is using CBD before bed. So there's a, really a lot of room for sleep products in this space. Um, and a lot of companies have started to capitalize on that. But I think something like over a third of consumers approximately use CBD before bed. So there is definitely a lot of room for even further expansion of those offerings. Also, about one fifth of consumers are using CBD throughout the day. Um, so if you're seeking to appeal to those, creating products that can kind of they can use frequently and fit into their routine 
is important. I think this is a place where CBD beverages also really shine because you can create so many diff different types of things, right? You have the Kill Cliff type energy drink, <laughs> which combines, you know, CBD and caffeine. And then you have more relaxation or, or fun oriented beverages where you would see like a recess or a day trip falling in. So there's definitely a lot of room for innovation there as well. Another one fifth of consumers are primarily using CBD at a specific moment. Physical pain, stress, they're seeking products that can address these issues. I think the key thing here is, you know, there's a lot of different areas to play in, in terms of use occasions, but it, it, you should make clear that your product has one or multiple of these occasions in mind in its development and its branding. Um, and make sure you keep an eye on shifts in consumer preferences and consumer usage to help guide product development in the right direction in the future, especially with neat state-oriented goods that incorporate functional ingredients. Very good. Everybody at Brightfield, yourself included, all about the data, what we're seeing so we can stay on top of the latest trends. What research would you like to see? Are you hoping to see come out in, say, 2023? Yeah, I think from a macro outside of our company sort of lens, I'm really hoping for safety studies for the most part to both assuage the FDA and international lawmakers, too, because this has also been a concern we've seen um, from the European Union Novel Foods Department. So if we can just get some more data about liver toxicity and safety there, it would really open up the market, uh, not just in the US, but internationally. And Europe could also be a multi-billion dollar market pretty much overnight um, if that were to happen. So more internally in terms of what sort of things I think we will be digging into a little bit more in our data. Um, one of the things is of course, incidence rates and usage rates. Um, those figures are really a key indicator as to if the market is moving in a healthy direction. And if those start to go up, that's a very positive sign for CBD in 2023. I'm also curious, uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but to dig more into some of those impacts in, of inflation. So if we do see usage and spending going up, it indicates to me um, that there was an impact most likely of inflation on the CBD industry. And if it doesn't, then there might be some more fundamental issues affecting its growth. And that's another thing that we would definitely want to dive into to better understand what that would be. I'm, I'm also keeping an eye on e-commerce traffic, how much CBD is being searched on the web. Um, it's been steady to slowing kind of throughout this year, which is not great in terms of an indicator for long-term growth. Um, Hopefully that starts to go back up, but it could also have to do with the cost of digital marketing going up for a lot of companies affecting impressions there. But in that sense, I'm also curious to see how companies are going to go about engaging consumers and improving SEO and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, clinical studies would be great as well. Something which can show that CBD has efficacy around certain conditions. Um, so we can see some of those health claims be made with a little more validity and not be uh, shut down so vigorously. You know, but I think I love talking to you because not only do you look at the research, but you put the perspective of what's going on in the economy around it. You put the perspective of what's going on culturally and what's going on on the internet and the web and all that. And I think that's so important because it, it really helps people kind of figure out where they want to go with their business. So if you were a CBD business owner, what would be the one thing that you were prepared for in the new year? That's a big question. I want to see if you can do this. That is a, a big question. I think the main thing I would prepare 
is a is a robust product lineup that aligns with consumer preferences. As we talked about earlier, there is a lot of consumers out here who aren't brand loyal. And I don't think that means they're they're never going to be brand loyal. It means that either the brand that they were loyal to did something where it no longer fits their needs or they were just always searching for the cheapest product. But if you can create a product that really appeals to the, these consumers who haven't stuck with a specific company, um, I think that that's a really key area of opportunity in the space. And you can do that in multiple forms. I think part of product innovation is also product distribution. Retail partnerships are super important. Some of the companies we've seen growing this year, um, Sky Wellness comes to mind, have focused really heavily on increasing retail distribution and getting in front of consumers. If someone can find you at their store, they're more likely to be loyal to you as well. It goes beyond product formulation. It goes about a distribution strategy. Not everyone wants to necessarily wait for an e-commerce shipment, even if it might be a little cheaper at the end of the day. Um, so really making sure that your products are what consumers want and they are distributed where your consumer is buying, I think is the main thing I would be looking at if I was a brand. You know, and I'm also thinking there's an opportunity there because a lot of the people that are going to be selling your product, especially if you're at national retailers, probably don't know a whole lot about it. So there's a phenomenal opportunity to be able to educate them there. And, and that's a, a huge part of it as well. And it kind of brings us back around to the very first thing you said, which was the desired effects um, that people are getting the de desired effects when they buy that product. So what a, this is a great interview and it was great how you brought it all back around. Thank you for doing that so much, Matt. It was, it was wonderful to meet you and I learned a ton. So, and, and as a senior analyst at the Brightfield Group for CBD and a number of other categories, you've just added so much to the podcast today. So thank you so much for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Great. Well, guys, he was amazing, didn't you think? Yes, yes. Great information. So what did you guys take home about the, the first part of the, you know, our three, our three prongs for brand protection PR building customer loyalty, insider media relations, and building brand resiliency. Let's talk about building customer loyalty. What really stood out to you? Boy, the, the first thing that he that he said, and he and if you listen closely, this came up again and again, and that is meet the consumer where they are. What are their trends? I'm, they can be fickle and that can be frustrating, but if, you're, if you're, you know, your brand aligns with what they're looking for, you're halfway home. Absolutely, absolutely. And what about insider media relations? I think in that um, department, one of the things that struck me is Matt was talking about how we don't just have CBD anymore. There's um, a number of cannabinoids that are um, being discovered and, and consumers are discovering them too. And as a journalist, you have to have some literacy as to, as to what, you know, what these different cannabinoids are. Are they psychoactive? Are they non-psychoactive? How do they interact? And ultimately, um, learn how you can report on that. And I think that lends itself to a really great opportunity for business owners as they're building these relationships with reporters to help educate them so that when that story comes up, um, whether it's regulation or something else that may happen in the 2023 Farm Bill, they're the one getting the phone call. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, 
I'm sitting here and thinking, you know, just when we we threw out Delta eight, Delta nine, we talk, you know, <laughs> I think that the general reporters out there probably don't know the difference and don't know how that's different from CBD. And then when you blend everything together and then you mm -hmm. throw different terms in for that, that mean the same. It's like we really do have a phenomenal opportunity here to educate um, the reporters and they need the education. So you're helping them. And if you do that, even before the story comes out, you're going to be the one that gets the call, right, Mitch? I mean, that's the way that works. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you think now, uh, think of this cannabis, CBD, medical marijuana space, as opposed to maybe five, 10 years ago, the consumer is yeah. much more educated. Exactly. So all the more reason uh, for you and your brand to be more educated and, and help those reporters understand. Absolutely. And what about brand resilience? There, I mean, there was so much that we could pull from, from this podcast, but what was the one thing that stood out to you guys? Gosh, you know, there was there were a few things he talked about there. I mean, I, I love the fact that he was hoping for more safety studies to yeah. bring, you know, some more legitimacy to it. So we learn more uh, and we can open up some more channels. And also the interesting thing about returning to retail, we just assume everything's online or e-commerce. But after COVID, I guess people wanted to get out. So uh, it's important to have that shelf space and have your product at those places Um where people are are purchasing, you know, and, and doing their shopping, that yeah. would help build that resilient CBD brand. You know, the other and thing I'm going to throw. I, oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead, Jordan. Go I was ahead. going to say, yeah. I, let me jump in really quick. I'm going to throw There's one so thing much. in here. We all want to jump of, in. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of made the podcast um, kind of come full circle because Matt, one of the very last things he said was talking about having a robust product lineup where you're listening yeah. to your consumers and yeah. hopefully can tap into. Um, generating customer loyalty because you're actively listening to what it is right. that the consumer wants from your yep. product and then offering that and a lineup of products. Right. Um, I, that's really smart. The, the whole idea of the occasion use and understanding and being able to communicate to your clients and to your customers, this is what you can use for this occasion, whether it's before going to bed, whether you need to have a little relaxation, sometimes a little more focus, maybe before doing, before doing a podcast, which is a good thing. I'm, I'm thinking about that. Right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just, I had a great time. This was a, a wonderful, wonderful one. Very so finished. take us home, Mitch. Yeah, no, it, it was great. So yeah, yeah. we want to thank our, our special guest again, uh, Matt, uh, Zayner, he put a what a great job, what great information, knowledgeable yeah. he is. You know, he's a senior analyst again for Brightfield Group. So we appreciate Matt joining us and for all of you for joining us on this Move the Stairs pop, podcast. And we appre appreciate you being here. We hope you'll join us again for our next all new episode of the Move the Stairs podcast. <laughs>